people. So a um, few few surveys doing the rounds at the moment, and one that we thought was of interest was from money.com.au. I'm not too sure how many people they surveyed, but um, 42% of people thought that um, property um, was the best um, avenue for people to get long-term return on investment. Um, So 42% thought property, 32% of people thought shares. During sort of times like this when the share market is a bit all over the place. Um, yeah, a lot of people do like the security of property because even though, like you know, when during GFCs and those sorts of things, property sorry shares can drop yeah you know, 30 percent um, across the market as a whole, or some shares may drop more than that. Whereas um, generally with property, you know, there might be corrections of five to ten percent, but yeah, generally it, it holds its value. Um, the other thing about property is um, is leverage. Um, a lot of banks will lend you up to 95% of the value of a property, whereas they may only lend you up to 60 to 70% of the value of shares. So um, if you're buying, if you were to buy, say, half a million dollars worth of property, you may only need $25,000 to get in. Whereas if you want to buy half a million dollars worth of shares, um, if the bank's only going to lend you 70%, you'll need 150 grand. So um, that was sort of quite interesting. It's not really surprising, I suppose, um, at the moment, given the um, economic times within which we live now. Yeah. Okay. One of the um, one of the other things you've sent through to me that you wanted to talk about, so I'll, I'll kick off with it, was... Um, more than half a million people have checked their credit score in the past six months during the pandemic, a substantial jump from the same period in 2019, according to a credit score provider. So um, data from Credit Savvy, part of uh, a venture corporation, um, it showed that 614,000 people checked their credit score between March and August, which is a 36% increase on the same period last year. Can you expand on why you think that's... Uh, that's an important uh, detail to include? Yeah, I, it's important. But it's, it's actually really good when you think of it because, um, you know, if people are checking their credit score, they're um, you know, obviously getting the result and seeing that um, you know, when, when you check your credit score, you know, you can go to a free website called getcreditscore.com.au and it'll give you your credit score and it'll also tell you how good that credit score is, whether it's poor, good, very good, or fantastic. So the fact that people are doing it is very good because people are obviously um, taking interest in how they appear to a lender, which is really, really good. Um, Another, yeah, household... um, Household finance applications are up about 30 to 50%. So a lot of people would be... Um, ..checking their clients. We get them to give their credit report and ask them to check what their credit score is. So that would be driving it a bit. The other thing I think also is there's a lot more people working from home who might might be sitting at the, sitting at the dining table with the TV on and... You often 
you often notice that there are quite a lot of ads for loans, yeah. checking credit scores, credit cards and those sorts of things. So it's probably a bit of a sign of the times, but if more people are checking their credit score um, to see how they would look to a lender, um, if they look poor, to understand why and how they might improve that, mm. it's actually a very good thing. Yeah. I think um, something that's always harping on, we we always seem to cover since we've been doing the chats together, is that, um, and this is sort of confirmed by the credit score stuff too, is that like people are becoming a lot more mindful about what they're doing with their finances, I think, now. Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing that a lot more. So about, say, a year ago um, when clients came to us and we... Um, got them to give us six months of their banking transactions. Um, we use a, a portal called bankstatements.com, which um, analyzes people exp- people's expenditure and categorizes it for categorizes their expenditure for us, so we can see where they spend their money, um, and we compare that to what they think they spend their money on. Um, there's a lot less variation now. Um, people are more wary of what they're spending money. Um, I did see a stat that people are saving a lot more and that was sort of borne out, I think, with the GDP figures going down for the June quarter um, because people are just saving a lot more money, uh, which, which is a good thing. Um, how that will play out with um, um, the budget that was announced on Tuesday with you know, tax cuts and all that sort of stuff coming if people get tax cuts, are they going to spend the money or are they going to save the money like they've done with um, stimulus payments and you know, JobKeeper and all that sort of stuff? Um, but, yeah, it's um, yeah, certainly interesting times. Um, I might just mention, though, that um, last Tuesday the Reserve Bank left interest rates on hold. Yeah. Um, for, I'm not sure, I think it's probably about since about March was the last time they moved. Um, the general consensus is if they're going to drop interest rates, um, it'll be on Melbourne Cup Day. Um, the Reserve Bank seems to like um, dropping or raising interest rates on Melbourne Cup Day. Mm. So, um, you know, the first Tuesday, November. So it'd be interesting to see what they do. Um, a few people thought they might have dropped interest rates in October, but it was probably more that they, they want to see what was in the budget and want to see how that plays out before. You know, the cash rate is 0.25%, so they don't really have a lot of room to move. Um, but I suppose the key thing for anyone listening is if you've got a loan and you've been in it for a year or two, chances are you're paying too much interest. So get, it, get your interest rate checked by a broker and... Um, if you're a millennial um, and your parents still have a loan, make sure they're getting their rate checked because if they're paying too much money on their um, on their home loan, that's less inheritance for you. Yeah, that's fair. It's a good way to look at it. Oh, very important. Mm-hmm. As we've sort of said before, the only thing worse the only thing worse than greedy banks are selfish parents. So make sure um, your parents are doing the right thing by you. Easy. Um, So um, one of the ones I wanted to talk to you about was uh, research from the AMP that's come out. So again, with the studies, we're not always sure how many people are being surveyed, but 
The study they brought out just recently revealed two in three Aussies' finances have been impacted by COVID-19. Um, it's brought forth a, a range of like outcomes that are both short-term and long-term, negative and positive. But um, of those surveyed, half of them anticipate it'll take them at least three months to get their financial goals back on track. So the key theme which arose about the research, 29% have delayed buying a car, 22% have pushed back buying a home, and 19% have been forced to hold off on buying an investment property. The question I had for you about all that, what do you think the outcome of this might be uh, with this many Aussies being halted from those outcomes? Yeah, I think um, it's, it's hard to say how it's going to play out, but the figures are probably not that surprising. Um, when we talk to the, the local mechanic that services our car, um, or our cars, he's been very, very busy um, since the pandemic because um, people, rather than updating their car, you know, some people keep a car for four or five years and then trade it in and get a new one. He said, you know, there, there's less people doing that because mm. people are sort of thinking, well, look, the car I've got can probably do me another six to 12 months, so I'll, um, I'll, keep, the, I'll keep the car. Um, with, with buying a home or buying an investment property, there's two things that are sort of happening at the moment in, in a lot of markets around the country. Um, prices are actually growing. So I was going to mention one of the things, um, and we can probably provide a link to it if people are interested, um, one of the national buyers agents, Propertyology, did a national research project where they rang, I think it was 30 to 50 real estate agents and buyers agents around the country just to talk to them about what's happening on the ground. And some of the agents were reporting that the, the, the months of all July and August were the busiest they've been in between 8 and 30 years because there's so many people Jeez. trying to buy property and in, the analogy we use is that there's too many seagulls and not enough chips at the moment. Right. Um, so I think some people would have had to push back buying a property because you know they worry about job security or um, they may not get a loan at the moment due to their um, financial and employment circumstances. But definitely some people are putting it off because prices have gone up and or they haven't been able to secure a property because there's too much demand mm. okay so i think i think that those figures sort of make sense yeah there are the number of new car sales has dropped um which you know always happens during um economic downturns because you know discretionary to, you know if you've got a five-year-old car that's still getting you from a to b um yeah it doesn't hurt to keep it for another year yeah. if you're worried about your job security. It's not exactly high on the priority list, is it, at that point? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And yeah, a lot of a lot of new car sales every year actually come from businesses, you know, because the business buys the vehicle. Um, you know, government change over cars every couple of years. So if businesses and government are sort of thinking, well, yeah, we need to just rein it in and get another year's um, mileage or kilometreage, if that's even a word, out of the cars. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to have a, a resultant impact on uh, on um, 
the number of cars being purchased. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got one more thing. It's more so just a, an interesting th- uh, topic you sent me through to read about. But before we get to it, was there anything else I'd missed from your end? Um, I was going to talk about rent vesting a bit. I was going to mention just some stuff around about that. Um, oh, the pros. That was the that was, that was the pros and cons of rent vesting. Yeah, can you start just because I'm I'm yeah. still a bit grey on the the concept. Can you go through what the definition is, like how rent vesting works, before you go to the pros and the cons? Yeah, yeah cool. So normally people um, save a deposit, buy a house, move into the house, yeah, you know, improve the house, pay the loan down on the house, and then um, leverage equity that they've. Um, They've got either from the house going up in value, the loan going down, um, and or you know you're adding value to the property via renovation or you know subdivision or granny flats all that sort of stuff. So that's the traditional way. Um, what a lot of people do though is they rent best. So they rent where they want to live and they invest elsewhere. So um, it gets you into the property market. You know quite a few of the the most successful property investors um, don't actually own a property that they live in. They actually rent, so they might want to rent in you know, South Bank in Victoria or you know, Battery Point in Hobart or some you know, new farm in Brisbane or Murrayweather in Newcastle. So yeah. they, they rent there because it suits their lifestyle, but they can't afford to buy there because it's um, too expensive. And in some of those areas... It's actually cheaper to rent than it is to buy okay. when you when you do the numbers. So what they'll do is they will, um, you know, they might rent a property in um, I don't know Mossman in Sydney, and they invest. Say they might buy an investment property in Launceston or, um, you know, Mount Gambier or Bundaberg in Queensland. So, so what they do is they rent best. So they rent and they invest elsewhere. So. Just some of the things, reinvesting can get you into the market quicker because, you know, you can, with a smallish deposit, buy a property. Um, you, a, lot of the, a lot of the way you make money in property is by, having, by being in the market. They call it time in the market. So um, if you buy a property and hold it for five or ten years, Normally, it will go up in value, so you will you will grow your wealth. Um, you get to live where you want. So, um, you know, we get a lot of people who want to buy a property and because of their budget have to buy somewhere where they don't particularly want to live, but they put up with it because that's the only place they can afford. Whereas with rent vesting, you can rent where you want and invest anywhere around the country. Mm. Um, renting... When you're renting, it's a bit more flexible um, because, you know, if you don't like your neighbours, you can move, whereas if you buy a house and you don't like the neighbours, well, um, you know, you could have arguments over the fence and handbags at five paces and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, you also get good tax benefits from rent investing because, um, yeah, basically you've got a tenant paying your mortgage. Um, you can claim tax depreciation. Uh, you claim interest expenses on your uh, loan. So, 
you know, reinvesting is not a bad thing to consider. If you know, if if people are in their twenties or early thirties and living at home um, and not paying much board, um, rather than spending money on Uber Eats and um, ex, you know, skydiving and that sort of rubbish, um, they might want to consider buying a rental property and renting it out. Um, just some of the, um, you know, it all sounds it all sounds hunky dory, but just some of the things with rent vesting. Um, if you're buying, if it's your first property and you're buying an investment, you won't get stamp duty exemptions or first home owner grants if you're building a place. Um, if you are renting, yeah, the landlord can kick you out and move into the house or put the rent up. Or um, so you know, sometimes there's, um, yeah, you're not in control as you are if you own the house. Um, if you've got a rental and you sell it, you've got to pay capital gains tax, and there's of course ownership costs. So yeah, yeah there's it's never there's never a real. I always say the answer to every question with property and finance is depends. It depends on what you're trying to achieve yeah. and what your circumstances are. So, okay. but um, yeah, there's just some things to think about. All right. Um, the last thing we'll talk about, and it's not so much. It's just sort of an interesting fact that you sent me through about Hobart. So um, yeah. Hobart was listed as the uh, top Aussie market for capital growth. So um, fir- first of all, because I never remember, capital growth, what's that again? So capital growth is just the um, the average increase in price. Okay. So if, yeah, so what, what, what they'll do is they'll look at the stats at a period of time um, look at the median price of property, houses, and units separately, and then they'll say, okay, um, which areas have had the um, the greatest increase in price? And um, yeah, Hobart was um, top of the pops to the end of June. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's interesting. A lot of people think that um, yeah more you know, the bigger cities have more capital growth but it's not always the way i think mm. i've read some research where over the last 20 years launceston in tasmania has had higher annual capital growth than sydney so yeah. it's not always about population it's not always about um, um infrastructure or job creation there's lots and lots of reasons why property goes up in value and um at the moment, we've got a pandemic. We've got Melbourne locked down. Um, traditionally, what happens when Melbourne property goes up in value and then starts tapering off, up, tapering off, people then look elsewhere to buy property. So they might look at Ballarat, Bendigo and Geelong, and they also look at Launceston and Hobart. And Hobart hasn't had many COVID cases, so I think, I suspect there'll be quite a few people from Melbourne once this lockdown's over selling up and moving out of Melbourne. Yeah. And um, they're going to go to, some of them are going to go to Hobart, some of them are going to go regional, and some are going to go to Queensland. Yeah. That's, um, it's not a terrible sort plan. Of what they've done in the past. Easy. And as we've talked about in the past, you know, where if, you, if you're if you living in a place worth two million bucks in Turak um, and you've been locked down for three months... And you don't need to um, you don't need to go to an office all the time. You might even 
saying, okay, well, I might go live at, I might sell and go live at, buy a nice place near the um, lake at Bendigo and um, have a million dollars in the bank. It's not a terrible idea. Yeah, exactly. And you, know, you can still get to Melbourne when you want, if you want. Yeah, easy. Um, do you want to plug the um, the Facebook page or the website, any of that stuff? I'll put the link yeah, to no. I'll put the link to the propertyology stuff in the um, the description for this podcast. So if you send it through to me, I'll pop it in there. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I posted it on Facebook just before we started, so because um, you know we're we're big fans of um, buyers agents like them and Dash Dot and you know the local buyers agents that you know work around work around the place. Um, as they look at what's happening in national property markets, a lot of the stuff you see in the stats, like there's, um, you know, you might pick up the paper tomorrow and they'll talk about, you know, what's happened in the June quarter or the, you know, in the month of July. Right. That's fantastic. But we're now in October. So these buyers agents, um, they're talking, they're at the, they're at the coalface seeing what's happening day in, day out. Um, as a mortgage broker, like we've seen probably a, Two to three hundred percent increase in applications and inquiries since the pandemic started. So it's all happening. But yeah, um, MoneySaverHomeLoans.com.au. Um, search Money Saver Home Loans on Facebook, and um, if you need any help, sing out. And if we can't help you, we'll make sure we find someone that can. Easy, beautiful. All right, we'll jump out of here. Okay.